0: This podcast contains adult language and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Hi, I'm Grant.
0: And I'm Erica. And this is From, From Crime, Crime to, to Crime.
1: Welcome back to From Crime to Crime. Erica, how are you tonight?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: So far so good, but we're just getting started.
0: Yeah. Well, the case that we have this week is pretty interesting. It's about a stalker, which is creepy inherently. Have you ever been stalked?
1: No, I wish. No, I don't mean I really don't <laughs> wish, but No, you don't. <laughs> boys don't boys don't get stalkers normally. Obviously, they do sometimes, but generally speaking, boys do the stalking. So, and That's just true. for clarity's sake, I've never done stalking or been stalked, so just to be <laughs> <laughs> totally totally clear and upfront about that.
0: Well, you're lucky. So before we get started on the case, do you wanna tell everybody how they can win a shirt?
1: Yeah. So we still have some shirts left over. So if anybody wants to go on Apple Podcast and rate us a five star rating and a review, send us a picture to either our email at from crime to crime podcast at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram at from crime to crime. First five people to do so and send us a screenshot. We'll get a shirt.
0: Well, that's exciting.
1: Hopefully for some people. I would, I mean, again, I'd love to get a shirt, but just by rating and reviewing for somebody. So hopefully somebody out there is very excited about it.
0: Yep. So you want to get started on tonight's case since it's interesting and has a lot of twists and turns and.
1: Yeah. Start us off.
0: And we're local.
1: Yeah. Another local case for us. But, you know, doing this podcast, we're learning things that. I didn't know before. I know you knew about this case long before. I recently learned about it again probably. I've probably heard it before and just forgot. Yeah. But yeah, so it's crazy that that these kinds of things happen so close to where we grew up and I forget about them and you know all about them.
0: Yeah, so for this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Dorothy Jane Scott. And she was a 32-year-old single mom. She lived with her aunt and her 4-year-old son Sean in Stanton, California. Do you know where Stanton is, Grant?
1: Yeah, I actually used to work for the city of Cy- Or not for the city, but I used to work in Cyprus, which touches Stanton. So I actually do know where that is.
0: Okay. I was going to say, if you don't know where it is, it's where the dump is.
1: <laughs> that sounds like Stanton.
0: That's the only reason I know where it is. I'm like, oh, that's where the dump is. Okay. <laughs> so her parents, Jacob and Vera, who lived in Anaheim, would watch her son for her while she worked since she was a single mom.
1: Yeah, and I love where she worked. She worked at this place called Swinger's Psych Shop and it's a place that sold like lava lamps, love beads. It's really groovy kind of stuff. And her dad, Jacob, he used to own the store, but he actually sold it to the guy who owned the place next door. And that was called Joe's Head Shop. And obviously a head shop is a place that sells bongs, pipes, and other smoking materials. And the two businesses, they were separate, but they were jointly owned and operated by the same people.
0: Right. Right. And she was not in the hippie drug scene at all. Everybody described her as like real straight laced and religious, and but she was a secretary for this company that sold drug paraphernalia, <laughs> and she spent most of her time in the back of the sh- of the store doing secretarial stuff. And like I said, she couldn't have been more different than the environment that she worked in. She was super religious. She hardly dated some of her friends even described her as dull as a phone book which i don't think they meant as an insult but
1: i don't know how it would be a compliment but
0: <laughs> i'm it's interesting
1: like... she has friends who, who yeah. you know who are like she's dull as a phone book but he's my best friend
0: yeah but i feel like it's because they mean that she's like dependable like she's very steady and even and you can count on her you know what i mean yeah Yeah,
1: and I think that would make a lot of sense because her life was pretty normal up until the beginning of 1980, and that's when she started receiving calls at home and at work, and at first they were creepy, but they were kind of a normal creepy. Some random guy disguising his voice, telling her that he loved her. Normal, creepy stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it's even rumored that she felt like she knew the voice, but she couldn't place quite where it was, but it sounded familiar. These didn't stay innocent for long enough because soon this guy would call and he would tell her, hey, come outside, like, you know, to to find me. And he'd leave, you know, a dead rose on her car. Well, he wouldn't say come
0: outside to find me. He would say come outside. I left you something because I guarantee you if he said come outside to find me, she's not going outside. I wouldn't. (laughs) She'd have to be insane. But.
1: That's true so you're right you're right it was come outside And you know get a present or Something along those lines and it was It was a dead rose on her car Yeah and he would Tell her you know that he's been watching her And even telling her like what she was Wearing and started making Threats and they really got Pretty sinister because he started telling her that he was Going to cut her up into little pieces and people would never Find her and just Stuff that went from Okay maybe you have a secret admirer to This is a full-blown problem.
0: It escalated pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, it sure did.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure at this point she's, like, stressed to the max and scared. Oh, she'd have to be. Yeah, and most people are like, well, didn't she call the cops? What's the deal with that? But the short answer is we don't really know. None of the retellings of the story, any newspaper articles we could find, nothing said that she ever filed a report. But whether she did or she didn't, this was over a decade before stalking was even a crime. And California was the first state to ever pass an anti-stalking law. And that didn't happen until 1990. So there wouldn't have been anything the cops could have done anyway.
1: I think that's so interesting I think it's so interesting that that wasn't even a crime until 1990. Like that's to me, that's absolutely mind blowing that 1990, but again, I guess up until 98 or so, it was a lawless land. I knew I was
0: like, Oh, is he not going (laughs) to say it? I was like, this is legitimately a lawless land. There is no stocking laws.
1: Well, this was very much boys will be boys mindset. And I mean, I think we're starting to get into this to the time where, It's starting to become not as accepted and people are saying, hey, you got to knock this creepy stuff off to all men in general. Well, all people in general, but typically it's men. So I think that, you know, is this is the, the time that we're starting to ramp up and go like, okay, maybe we have to do a little bit more to protect the people in our community than just let boys be boys.
0: Yeah. So being that there was no laws, Dorothy just dealt with it. She took a karate class and she even thought about buying a gun, but hadn't done it.
1: Those are two very different things. I mean, karate, <laughs> self-defense, you know, a gun. And I, I mean, I think a gun it's is-
0: also self-defense, so I don't know how they're doing Absolutely.
1: It. Well, they're different because one's using your body, one's I'm going to kill you.
0: So. Well, if you're doing karate right, you could kill somebody with your body.
1: <laughs> All right, Dwight, chill out. She's probably a white belt, but Dwight was a, a blue belt.
0: Didn't he get his black belt?
1: Oh, uh, Probably not. Yeah. The night of May 28th, 1990, she had a meeting at work at 9 p.m., and- I don't know about you. When I was 32, I was not going to a meeting at 9 p.m. at work. I would have said, thank you, but no, thank you. I will not be in be in attendance. I'm not going to a work meeting at 9 p.m., but (laughs) (laughs) I get it. I get it.
0: But we don't work at a place that sells drug paraphernalia.
1: So, right, exactly. And I mean, only the restaurants I've ever had is when we had all staff meetings like that. And mine were in the morning, but I understand, you know, a lot of people do those at night,
0: too. Yeah. Every restaurant I worked at did it at night. But you worked at like a really corporate restaurant and I worked at a bar that sold booze to kids, so.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you were one of those
0: kids. Yeah, I know. That's how I know.
1: And if you remember, my corporate one sold you some drinks too when you were a kid, thanks to me. Well, that's true too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Karaoke night, Grant was the bouncer and everybody drank that well that night.
0: Yes, we did. So
1: anyway. This is an all staff meeting and she decides that she needs to drop her son sean off it's 9 p.m it's too late for him he's a little boy so she drops him off at her parents in anaheim and then went into work while she was there she noticed that her co-worker conrad had this arm that was really not looking very well and he was really sweaty and he was in a little bit of pain and that arm was red and swollen and stuff so dorothy decided that he needed to go to the hospital and get checked out
0: yeah so he let her and another co-worker named pam Drive him to UC Irvine in the city of Orange. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that whoop, whoop thing. Uh, I love it. <laughs> so on the way to the hospital, though, they stopped at Dorothy's parents' house And I'm pretty sure that they did this so that she could check in on her son because she knew at this point she was going to be out really late and probably to let her parents know, like, hey, I'm taking a coworker to the hospital. Do you want me to take Sean with us or are you okay watching them? And obviously her parents were fine watching him because they said, no, go do your thing. He's fine here. And the really important part of this stop is that when she came into her parents' house, she had taken off her black scarf. And when she left, she grabbed a red one. And this stands out for two reasons to me. And one that you'll find out in a few minutes. And the other is because this is Southern California in May.
1: Yeah, I've never worn a scarf.
0: Yeah. This part's always kind of confused me. It's like I've lived in Southern California my entire life and I've never needed a scarf. Except like in the early 2000s when that weird trend With the skinny scarves and the shorts were a thing.
1: I don't remember that, but I don't pay attention to any kind of fashion. Yeah, well, obviously. (laughs) I just thought that was
0: weird, especially in late May. I don't think there's any significance to this observation. I just think it's kind of weird.
1: Right. So the big takeaway is that she switched from her black scarf to a red one, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. So off they go to the ER. And when they got there, Conrad had finally been taken back to be examined, And Pam and Dorothy are just kind of hanging out in the waiting room, reading magazines, talking, you know, not playing on their phones because 1980, they don't have (laughs) them. (laughs) And when Conrad comes back out, they find out that he'd actually been bit by a black widow spider and his arm was super infected. So he needed to get a prescription. So Pam waited with him in the pharmacy as he got his prescription taken care of. And Dorothy said, Hey, I'm going to go get the car and pick you guys up. So, you know, we can kind of get the show on the road.
0: Yeah. And that's the other thing that's kind of funny. It's like, I know black widow spiders are a real thing, but like, have you ever known anybody that's been bit by one? Ah,
1: Not off the top of my head. I know it's
0: like, we've always been to, Oh, black, black widows. But it's like, I I didn't know that they were actually a problem.
1: (laughs) Well, they are a problem if you, if you get bit by one and and who knows, maybe it was in his sleep or something, or maybe it was, you know, Doing something real weird, like climbing through an attic, got bit by one. You never know.
0: Yeah, it's just, I just, we've always been told like, oh, black widows are dangerous. But it's like, first of all, I don't think I've ever seen one. And second of all, you have
1: never seen a black widow. No. Yeah, I think you have. You just didn't realize it.
0: Well, maybe when I see spiders, I tend to not like engage.
1: Oh, I like to save them and put them outside. Yeah,
0: you would do. Stuff like that. Uh, Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm pretty pretty into their hippie shop, too.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I I want
1: my own lava lamp and, and moon rocks.
0: Yeah. So Pam and Conrad wait in line at the pharmacy for the prescription, and Dorothy goes outside to get the car. But when Pam and Conrad get outside, Dorothy wasn't there. And they waited kind of a while, you know, 15, 20 minutes, something like that. And they were getting kind of concerned. And then finally, Dorothy's car came towards them. And I don't know at the time if it was a parking garage or just a parking lot, but either way, her car came towards them and they were like, oh, there she is finally. But immediately they realized that something was going on because her high beams were on and she was going super fast and they were like, what the hell? And so they tried to like flag her down and she just went barreling right past them. And because her high beams were on, they couldn't even see inside of the car to see if it was Dorothy or if she was alone or what happened. But they were kind of shocked. Like, Jesus, dude, you brought us here. Like, what the hell?
1: Yeah. And I mean, the the brights being on, though, that's something that I wonder if that was intentionally done or if that was an accident.
0: Yeah. I also wonder if it was just late at night and the headlights were on and they seemed super bright because they were coming at them super fast. But Either way, they thought maybe she had an emergency or something and that she would be back to get him. And I'm not sure how they really kind of came to that conclusion because there was no cell phones and she never called home to check on her kid or anything. So how would anybody inform her of an emergency? I'm not sure. But
1: so I did kind of think about that.
0: Yeah, I'm sure they were just trying to justify their friend ditching them, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and with it barreling out of the parking lot, it doesn't seem like the literal time (laughs) of the day or the place to, you know, do that thing where you kind of drive by like, oh, ha, 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 I'm going to leave you here. It's like, this was a pretty serious situation. You've got a kid at at your parents' house. Like, maybe we should get this going. But they kind of waited because they weren't sure what to do.
0: Right. And if it was that situation, she would have been right back. But she wasn't back.
1: And they waited a while.
0: And from multiple
1: accounts that we've seen They even called her parents' house to see if something had happened to her son that would have made her leave and rush home, but they hadn't seen or heard from her either. Although it was unlikely because there were no cell phones. So how would she even gotten word that there was something going on, you know, that was an emergency? The only thing I can think on that is if there was something big. Maybe somebody came to the hospital to get her and happened to see her while she was out coming back in. Yeah.
0: Or they said that she had gone to the bathroom before she went to get the car. So maybe she stopped at the yeah. pay phones on the bathroom and called home. I don't know. I guess that could make sense. Yeah. But
1: after an hour or two, Pam and Conrad, they notified hospital police that Dorothy was missing. And the hospital police just kind of blew them off. In this circumstance, I can understand that. Yeah. Because there's probably not a lot of people who go missing from the hospital. Well, police are probably like, uh, okay, like we're the the hospital police. We're not. But
0: they're not. They're a police department. It's UCI Campus Police. No, I understand that. Which are not real cops either. but
1: exactly. There we go. Exactly.
0: But they act like real cops and then they pretend to take missing persons. This is not our first missing persons case that's been bumbled by a campus police department. That's true. And we're only 17 episodes into this podcast. so <laughs> It's pretty likely that they were just like, sorry, your friend ditched you. Call a cab. Like We
1: don't want to deal with it. We don't. That's too much paperwork. Yeah. It's probably what happened.
0: Yeah. So the rest of the night, there was no word from Dorothy and her parents and Pam and Conrad are starting to really kind of freak out.
1: But it wasn't until four 30 the next morning that the police are called because there's a car on fire in an alley in Santa Ana
0: that tracks. <laughs> yeah. Santa Ana would be where you would go to burn a car.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But unfortunately it turns out that it is Dorothy's car. She isn't in it, but it still is on fire. And that's when yeah. cops kind of realize, like, Hey, this is a real dire situation, especially with all the creepy phone calls and everything that was going on. Like, It definitely starting to feel like something bad had happened.
0: So for a few days, they're just hoping something comes up, I guess. There's not really a lot of information on what they did in the first few days, but they were hoping that there was going to be a ransom call or something. And the cops even told her family not to talk to the press because it could hurt the investigation, which kind of sucks. Oh,
1: I'm sure that was super hard.
0: Yeah, because as a parent, I'm sure all you want to do is, like, scream from the rooftops, like, where's my kid? And they told him they couldn't. Yeah,
1: that that would be be devastating, honestly.
0: Yeah, but they did. They kept quiet, and about a week later, their phone rang. And when Vera, Dorothy's mom, answered the call, the caller asked, are you related to Dorothy? And when Vera said yes, the caller said, I've got her, and hung up.
1: And that's just absolutely... Gut wrenching, too.
0: Yeah, so now he's gone from creepy phone calls to Dorothy to now Dorothy's missing, and now he's making creepy phone calls to her parents.
1: Right, so it really is very uncomfortable. And Jacob and Vera went rogue from the police's decisions or the police's recommendations, and they said, Hey, you know what, forget this. And they went straight to the media. They contacted the Orange County Register, and when the story was ran in the paper a few days later, the editor from the paper got a phone call. From a man who claimed that he had killed Dorothy. And he said it was because he loved her and said things in the call that the, the public hadn't known yet. He mentioned that red scarf that she changed. The fact that Conrad was suffering from a spider bite, which obviously nobody else would have known about.
0: Be- yeah. Because
1: that wasn't even found out until they were at the hospital.
0: Right. And he told the editor that he had killed Dorothy because she was cheating on him. And she denied it, but he didn't believe her. So he had to kill her. So at this point, they're pretty sure that the man who had been stalking Dorothy was the same man that kidnapped her because he obviously believed that he was in a relationship with her. Yeah. Because from everything that her friends and family have said is that she didn't date a lot and she wasn't known to be in a relationship at this time. So not in a relationship with the stalker or with somebody else that she would have been cheating on the stalker with. And
1: police started kind of looking into that and into the men in her life. But like we just said, there wasn't a whole lot there because she didn't do much dating her son, Shanti, his dad lived in Missouri and they were able to rule him out pretty quickly with witnesses and stuff. But the investigation just kept going and it hits dead end after dead end after dead end. The only real clue were these phone calls because even after she goes missing and the car was found, the call still didn't stop. The caller keeps calling the Scots home about once per week. I think it was on Wednesdays and the police even put a tap on the phone, but he never stayed on long enough for them to be able to trace it.
0: Yeah. So the interesting part about that is I'm assuming they have tapes of this guy's voice. If they put taps on the phone and traces on the phone... I'm sure they have recordings of his voice, but they've never released that.
1: Didn't he disguise his voice anyway?
0: Yeah, I've heard that, but it was poorly disguised. Like, it was clear that he was trying to disguise it. And apparently he would taunt them and say things like, is Dorothy home? And then other calls, he would say that he killed her. And then once, in 1984, Jacob answered the phone instead of Vera, and the call suddenly stopped. So for four years, this dickhead has been calling her mother tormenting her. And then one time the dad picks up and he stops calling. Are you kidding me?
1: Yeah. I mean, as the dad, I think it's kind of a weird thing, honestly, that the dad didn't pick up to begin with, because being a man myself, if this is happening, I'm the one answering the phone call every single time. I would not let Christine answer it, not because she couldn't handle it. She's absolutely you know, totally capable. But I would want to be the one on the other end to threaten that person myself. And
0: but this is 1980. And everything that I've read said that that's why he called Wednesday during the middle of the day, because Vera was always home alone during the day while her husband was at work. I would be staying home on Wednesdays. I mean, I'm not faulting the dad or anything like that. But what are you going to do? Quit your job for four years to answer the phone?
1: I would stay home one Wednesday for sure.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It does seem weird though for four years and then all of a sudden it just stops. But maybe he thought that it was a different family moved in because a man answered, I don't know. That could be. Yeah, but that was in the beginning of 84 that those kind of, the phone calls kind of stopped.
1: Right, in August of 84, a construction crew found a set of dog bones and a set of human remains off of Santa Ana Canyon Road. And they were charred. But there was enough to make an identification really quick. But I'm sure for the family, 10 days doesn't seem very quick.
0: Yeah, but that does seem very quick, though, to make a positive ID, especially in 1980. Like, they had to use dental records, you know? Yeah,
1: that's what I was thinking, too. And they did use dental records to determine that, unfortunately, it was Dorothy. And found with her, beside her, was a dog and a turquoise ring and a watch that had stopped at 12.30 a.m. on May 29th, which is only about an hour or so after she was last seen at UC Irvine.
0: And besides this mysterious watch date, they knew she had been there for probably at least two years because they believe the remains were charred because of a brush fire that happened in 1982, not that they were charred by the killer. So, but I think you can easily believe that they might have been there since the night that she went missing. Like, if they had been there at least since that brush fire, who's to say they weren't there for two years before the brush fire? Yeah, that's true. It's That totally could be. Yeah. But nothing else has come of the remains. No other evidence could be found, including her cause of death. I mean, obviously, the manner of death was homicide, but they don't know the cause of death.
1: One of the most interesting things about this is that they've never publicly, anyway, named a suspect, and no other en- evidence has come come forward they've never found anything else so unfortunately both of Dorothy's parents have both passed away but her son Sean still deserves answers on what happened to his mom
0: Yeah, and from everything that I've heard, they got one more phone call after the body was found, which there hadn't been a phone call in a few months. And he just said, is Dorothy home? And then hung up. So, ugh.
1: Oh my, like, what a creep. Like, the whole family and being involved in the long drawn outness of this, this is a whole different kind of animal.
0: And it does seem like it's pretty much unsolvable because it doesn't seem like they have DNA or a lot of evidence, but there are a lot of theories online from the brother of a coworker at the psych shop to serial killers in the area, so I don't know. It's kind of baffling, but we can go over some of the theories or whatever. But yeah,
1: so let's go over a couple of theories. Let's go over the first one being the stalker, being someone that she
0: knew. And like you said, it yeah.
1: could have been the brother of her of one of her coworkers. That's That's a theory that's been tossed out quite a bit.
0: Yeah, and we're not going to say his name on here because we haven't done that much research on him. And from the little research that I have done, I haven't found anything that would be like, oh yeah, this guy's a total creep, you know. But there are a lot of rumors that this one guy who was a brother of somebody she worked with at the psych shop was really overly interested in her and was kind of a weird guy and into cult stuff and... It's been tossed around that he's a potential, you know. Yeah, and I could
1: see that making sense because, I mean, in a small business like that, the brother of a coworker, so maybe she had met him and that's where she recognized the voice. Mm -hmm. Do you think that if she had met a brother and he was in the waiting room with them... Do you think she would have recognized him, though? Or do you think maybe they were that far removed?
0: No, I think she would have recognized him, but that didn't happen because Pam was also in the waiting room and didn't say anything. So Exactly. I I think that if she would have been talking to anybody in the waiting room, Pam would have said, oh, she was talking to this guy. I didn't know who it was, but obviously she knew him.
1: Well, and that brings up another point. It could be someone she just casually knew. Maybe someone she had only gone on a couple dates with, you
0: know, and... Yeah.
1: Maybe it could have been anybody. I mean,
0: it literally could have been a vendor for the psych shop that dropped off bongs once a week just because she didn't work with the public doesn't mean she didn't work with other people.
1: That's true. I didn't think about that. You know, the UPS
0: man, the mailman, the FedEx driver, the water guy.
1: I didn't think about that, but it it totally could have been a vendor of theirs that, Mm -hmm. you know, came in and, but again, you would think if it was that person was in the hospital In the waiting room. You would think she would have recognized that person. I
0: don't think they were ever in the waiting room. You don't think so? I think they followed her to the hospital and sat in their car near her car. And then when she came out and she was alone, it was their opportune time. And they took it. Interesting.
1: Because she went with two other people.
0: But I don't think the person ever went in the hospital.
1: Going with two other people, I would think that somebody waiting in their car would go, there's no chance she's going to come out here by herself. But I mean, I guess he's a stalker. He's got nothing else to do, but see what she's up to.
0: Well, and if he had a weird perceived wrongdoing that she was cheating on him with this Conrad guy, maybe he was planning on confronting both of them when they came out of the hospital. Oh,
1: you think maybe he thought Conrad was the guy she was cheating on him on him
0: with? Well, yeah, I mean, I I think that. that would be the logical because he says he killed her because she was cheating on him. Right. And she was at the hospital with another man. Obviously, he was almost dead of a spider bite. Yeah, It was not anything romantic. She was taking a friend to the hospital. But obviously, that was a perceived wrongdoing from this delusional stalker. Okay. That that makes sense. I don't know. I don't think the stalker was ever inside the hospital. I think the stalker was always in the parking
1: lot. And that's interesting because when I was researching this story... I got the feeling that this person may have been in the waiting room with them. And that's how he knew about the spider bite and, you know, the scarf and all those kinds of things as well. But I can see what you're saying. They could have just waited in the parking garage or the parking lot, whatever. And then when the opportune time came, that's what happened.
0: Well, I think that that would make sense if she didn't know him. He could have been in the waiting room watching. But if she knew him, I think he stayed in the parking lot. Yeah.
1: Okay. I can see that because
0: I think if she knew him and he was in the waiting room, she would have talked to him and then Pam would have known.
1: And I think that makes sense. And that was what always kind of didn't make sense for me was cause I was like, if he's in the waiting room, then that doesn't make a ton of sense because she would recognize him most likely because she recognizes the voice. And typically speaking, right. you don't recognize someone's voice after a one, maybe two time meeting. I'm like, it's been something that, you know, You've met several times.
0: Right. Which is why I think that it could have been somebody that she knew but not well. So somebody that she knew well enough and probably saw on a regular basis but didn't put the pieces together like a FedEx guy or a UPS guy or a water vendor or somebody that she saw regularly but couldn't place the voice like i know my fedex guy at my work and if he called me on the phone but i didn't know it was him i would probably recognize his voice but not be able to say oh that's kevin you know that makes sense
1: i can understand that i like that theory
0: yeah so that's pretty much the main theory is that obviously the stalker was responsible for her disappearance whether she knew him or didn't is a whole nother you know obviously can of worms but another theory that I've seen is that it was unrelated to the stalker and that she was just randomly attacked. And to me, that seems super unlikely. Yeah. To be a victim of two separate types of crimes, like a stalking and then a kidnap and murder, and them to be completely unrelated, just your numbers have to be astronomically bad for that to happen.
1: Yeah, that's really unlucky. To do so, yeah, I I believe yeah. that I th- I don't think that the two could have been correlated.
0: I don't think that they could not have been correlated.
1: It also could have been a serial killer, you know, no, known or even unknown at that time.
0: Yeah, because it was the eighties, the early eighties, which was what California. Erica? that was which was th- what the golden age of serial killers.
1: Also a lawless land, but hey, we'll we'll take that as well.
0: Oh, oh, <laughs> setting like, what? you up for
1: your first lawless land, and you you really didn't take it, but yeah, maybe next time.
0: No, I don't like that. But I do wonder sometimes how we even exist, like how our moms made it through the 70s and 80s in California.
1: I wonder stuff like that all the time because, I mean, there were tons of serial killers happening.
0: Like the Golden State Killer.
1: Like Richard Ramirez.
0: Yeah. Randy Kraft. And William Bonin. There you go. Yeah. I mean, we're at five yeah. already and
1: we're just riffing off the top of our heads. So yeah, there is yeah. a lot Lonnie going Lonnie Franklin on. Jr. There you go. Six. Do I hear seven? Come yeah. on, give me seven.
0: Where the hell was Sam Little at this time?
1: Probably driving around. Probably driving around Southern California. You never know.
0: Yeah. I know. You don't know. That's what I'm saying. There was a lot of serial killers around that time. But I don't know. that. To me, there does seem to be a little bit of a connection with the Golden State Killer. He had family that was really close by. Another one of his victims also worked at UC Irvine. So there's a little bit of a connection, but...
1: But doesn't it seem kind of drawn out for him? Because he was sneaking into your house in the middle of the night and, you know, do bad things. Not it does. Da-
0: Although he was known to call his victims and taunt them before and after his crimes.
1: But not for this long. I mean, this happened for four years after no. and, you know, a ways before.
0: But how do we know that he wasn't, you know, didn't just have one victim that he really liked you know i don't know i don't know how that their brains work i do understand the thought process though of wanting it to be one of these serial killers that we know about because you don't want to think that there's a lot of sketchy people that can do stuff like this so you're like oh it had to have been the golden state killer you know what i mean like you want to put as much on him as possible because you don't want to believe there's two of him you know or ten of him where was
1: israel keys at this time
0: uh, like not born <laughs> no,
1: That was for you Because last time you were like Where was Israel Keys? I, like, I don't know but
0: I know I they, they, He's the first one I think of every case I'm like where was Israel Keys?" And I'm like okay He was 12 So probably not But
1: Mostly Well I'm still not convinced But you're right Probably not
0: I know But I do understand The, the want For it to be a serial killer Because you don't want to think That there's a lot of these people That we haven't caught So you're like Please be one of the ones We've already caught
1: There's a lot of these people And... No, I know. They've never caught this guy. So it could be a serial killer. It could be a one-off thing. It's hard to tell.
0: And we're finding out more and more with the genetic genealogy and solving all these cold cases that the one-off killing is more common than we originally thought. A
1: lot more common.
0: I know. It's so crazy. A lot of these, like, really violent crimes, they've always been like, oh, it had to have been a serial killer and he's never going to stop until he gets caught and blah, blah, blah. And then all these, like, cases that they're solving, it's like... Some guy who still lives in the town and he's married and has kids and has never done anything since. It's like, is this, is this common? I
1: think it can be. Absolutely. I mean, I don't, obviously don't think it happens to everyone around, but yeah, I think that it totally could happen. And I think a lot of times it's probably accidental is really what it comes down to. Yeah.
0: I just think that people are like capable of a lot worse things than you want to believe they're capable of.
1: Definitely. People are definitely capable of some pretty sinister stuff.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about leads that could still be investigated because these theories on who may or may not have done it may not ever, you know, solve it because there's no DNA. There's no cause of death. There's not really any physical evidence left, you know. Yeah,
1: It's almost a perfect crime.
0: Yeah. But some of the things that I kind of think could have been investigated that maybe weren't was the dog lead. It sounds stupid and trivial, but it's like. What kind of dog was that?
1: And you think if they knew what kind of dog it was, they could ask the people in the area like, hey, who had a dog missing of this breed?
0: Maybe. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but it's like if it was a coyote, I mean, that could look like a dog and that would be natural in that habitat. And I was going to ask that. But too. if it was an actual domestic dog, then that's a different Then it was obviously put there with her.
1: I've always kind of thought that he killed her and then killed the dog in case cadaver dogs came looking, they would find that one. But the body wasn't buried, was it?
0: I don't know. I've heard differing reports on whether it was buried or whether the bones were just together.
1: See, if it was buried, I but could... not buried. If it was buried, I could understand, you know, obviously putting her yeah. down, putting some dirt down, and then putting a dog down. Because if cadaver dogs did come out, they'd find the dog first and they'd move on. But... <sighs> And he's obviously he can kill a person. I'm sure he could kill even his own dogs. So I don't know. I don't like believing that he right. could because puppies. But
0: I know I hate that. Yeah. But I just think if we knew what kind of dog it was, that's something for the Internet sluice of the world. You know, they can get a lot done. They can find a lot of stuff. There's a lot of people that are like, hey, let me go down this rabbit hole for six months.
1: That's why you, you want know? to know. You want to know what kind it is so you can find it.
0: It's not just that I can find it, but like, I feel like that's one of the only things left that wasn't really checked into. You know what I mean? Because they were never able to trace the phone calls. There was no DNA. Her car was burnt to a crisp. So I doubt there's a whole lot of evidence in the car. Here's an example of what I mean. If we knew what kind of dog it was, then say there's a girl that was dating some creep or some jerk that was mean and whatever at the time, and she had a golden retriever go missing at that time she may go hey i had a boyfriend at the time that i always thought did something to my dog like and then that was her kind of dog like she might put the clues together to call in that one tip that solves this yeah that
1: you that know? could definitely be a thing but i wonder if they couldn't tell because the you know the dog's body was charred so bad but there's no evidence at all that maybe she had been in the car when it was burning cuz you know the car was on fire her body was burned Sounds like it was probably something that just was a coincidence, but I've never seen anything linked to those two. Have you?
0: Yeah. I don't think they believe her body was in the car because one, there would be evidence of that. And two, the car was on fire when they found it. Oh, okay. That makes sense. You're right. It wasn't like the car was burnt to a crisp and they found it two months later. The car was on fire when they found it. So he would have had to light her and the car and then take her out and then get out of the scene before anybody showed and I just don't think that's Yeah, possible. that's too
1: much. There's too much going on with that. So yeah, you're probably right. That's probably not not what happened.
0: So, I just think that the dog lead is something that's so untapped. I really think that if they had any information on what kind of dog that was, it could help. Maybe a dog went missing in that area. And so we could at least be like, okay, well, after they went to the hospital, then they went to this area. You know what I mean? Cuz he stole a dog from here.
1: I always kind of thought it was his dog. That was always the that mindset I had, I never thought like you have been thinking about, oh, well, maybe it's this or maybe it's, you know, someone's missing dog. I always kind of thought he killed the dog. It was his own dog to throw police dogs off the scent.
0: Yeah. I just get this feeling that it was like his wife's dog or his kid's dog or something. And he he's such a monster. Like, I feel like he would have done something like that. Maybe it was like a two for one deal. Maybe like he dumped her body out there and then a week later he killed his kid's dog or his girlfriend's dog and he's like, oh, I'll just put the dog with the body. Yeah, that could be.
1: It's interesting.
0: So, I don't know. My other thought with the dog, though, is that if it wasn't a dog, if it just looked like dog bones and they didn't really check it out too much, it could have been a coyote. And it could have just been naturally that the coyote died near her body. And through the brush fire and everything, they just kind of got mixed in together.
1: I can see that. I don't know. I don't know. (sighs) I don't know enough about dog bodies to know the difference between a dog and a coyote. Obviously, they're similar. Coyote is basically just a wild dog, but I think it would come down to breed after that. And you know, I th- I gotta think that they were able to tell at least what kind of a breed that dog was, because I think a coyote's yeah. you know s- normally smaller in stature body would probably be easily detected. But again, I don't know enough about dog biology
0: yeah the other thing that i thought about with the fire too is you had mentioned earlier like do you think her body was in the fire in the car or in the brush fire and what's kind of weird is that they can tell the date and time that the watch stopped even though it was burnt or was the watch not burnt
1: i've never heard if the watch was burnt or not just that they found it but that's a good point of you know did it it stop yeah. at 12 30 on the dot was it Because the battery died. Was it stopped at that time? You know, what's the correlation on that? Like, is there any kind of or is it a a red herring?
0: I just think it's kind of weird that the bones would be charred, but the watch was still readable. That seems interesting, I guess. Although, I don't know. The watch has always thrown me off because I've never had a watch that told the exact time, a.m. or p.m. and the date, everything like at the same time. Like, how big was this watch?
1: I guess it's possible that the metal of a watch could burn at a different heat than the body, you know, they're different, different materials. So one would, could burn better than the other one. So maybe that's why, maybe the watch didn't burn as well as the body did. So the body was charred and the the watch was in salvageable condition.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I've always thought that was interesting with the watch. I'd like to see if there's pictures of the watch. I couldn't find any. Oh, and then the other thing that you had wanted to mention too was... On quite a few websites that we were reading and different things that we had heard and seen and talking to people, they thought that her body was found really close to where her car was burning.
1: They were actually found very, very far off because she was found in Santa Ana Canyon Road and her car was found in Santa Ana. But unless you're from Orange County, they sound like they'd be really close, but they're actually not. They're actually pretty far apart. Um, Santa Ana Canyon Road is actually in Anaheim Hills, which is not connected to Anaheim. I guess we have some confusing names out here. I never really thought about it. Um, and Santa Ana yeah. is...
0: It's still technically Anaheim. It's just a nicer area of
1: Anaheim. Right, right. But it's not... It doesn't actually physically touch Anaheim. You know, it's, it is yeah. is a different part.
0: Yes, it does. Where? The 91 Freeway over by Camelot. That's all Anaheim, and then it connects to the real Anaheim that you know of. Look at a map. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, it's huh. just... It's still Anacrime. It's just... A nicer part of Anacrime.
1: It's a very nice part now. There's lots of really nice places there. There's a nice Costco and everything. But
0: back in 1980, it was a lot less populated out there.
1: Right. It was just kind of obviously land and Mm -hmm. there was plenty of it to burn. So a body could be burned there. Yeah,
0: I mean, there was houses and stuff, but just not as many.
1: Yeah. I think it's important to clear up and let, you know, make sure people know that Santa Ana and Santa Ana Canyon are not connected.
0: Yeah. Totally different. Totally. Santa Ana is where you burn cars. Santa Ana Canyon is where you dump bodies. (laughs) Yeah. I just think that there's not much left to this story, but it is interesting and it is a good, like be aware of your surroundings story. And if you're being stalked, take it really seriously because things can escalate really quickly with emotionally unstable people. Yeah, absolutely. And now it's a crime.
1: It wasn't before. And so things like this, unfortunately and devastatingly happened but it's a crime now police can act upon this stuff immediately so take it seriously and put an end to it before yeah. anything more comes of it Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah so if you have a creepy boyfriend or ex-boyfriend and he's doing weird things take it seriously because this could be bad news
1: weird girlfriends too just so we're all clear
0: oh yeah stalkers are equal opportunity alright well do you have anything else for this week bud
1: I don't think so just you know the one that I didn't know very well so I'm glad that now I know it pretty well
0: Yeah. And I think there's a lot we can learn from old cases, even if we don't think they're solvable. They're solving things left and right nowadays. Who knows what the next technology is going to be that comes out that blows DNA out of the water.
1: At this point, I don't think that there's anything that is unsolvable anymore. Maybe the right thing hasn't been found, but I don't think there's anything that is unsolvable 100%. Yep.
0: Fingers crossed for Dorothy and her family that this one is one of those baffling ones where somebody confesses or they find some DNA on the inside of her watch band or something and they sell Absolutely.
1: It. Absolutely. I mean for if no for no other reason for her son's sake. I he if he wants to know he deserves to know.
0: Yep. All right. Well,
1: all right. I love you.
0: I love you too.